This amazing Asian mega metropolis is brimming with copious kinds of contrasts. You'll be flabbergasted from the moment you land in this illustrious land until you reluctantly leave. Touchdown in 10 seconds. Let's take a tour of tantalizing Tokyo on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 amigos, and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI. I can't believe it. There are over 120 episodes available. That's if you're a patron. If you aren't a patron, you probably have around 80 or so. But if you're a patron, you will have access to 120 episodes plus 750 posts. Well, more than 750 posts by the time you hear this. So what am I saying? What are you waiting for? Join our curious community and you'll have instant access to so much content. Plus, you'll be a part of our curious community. And speaking of, I'd like to send a shout out to all my patrons, especially my super duper students, Javier, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, and Edgar. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Isabel, Paco, Diego, and Carmen. Keep up the great work. And if you guys want to join our curious community, you can get a bonus episode every week. You can get bonus documents with all the vocabulary, expressions, and structures in each episode. Plus, if you're in our higher levels, you can review this episode with us in a class. We have a weekly review class, plus we have a monthly master class, events, giveaways. Giveaways is donde regalamos cosas. So again, I'll repeat my question. What are you waiting for? Go on over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and for as little as three euros a month you can have instant access to tons of content and more importantly belong to a community of English explorers all right well let's begin with the intro today we're going to one of the coolest cities in one of the coolest countries in the world and I can tell you that from experience and in the bonus episode I'm going to tell you all about my experiences in Tokyo and in other places in Japan and I'm going to give you some insider tips and insiders visto desde dentro tips that really you don't know until you go there in person yeah you can read guidebooks and all of that stuff but remember, there's nothing like hands-on experience. And hands-on experience is experiencia práctica. So I started off by saying this amazing 
Asian mega metropolis. That's a tongue twister. Well, let's start out with Asian because I hear a lot of people say ASEAN or Asiatic, but it's Asian. This Asian mega metropolis is brimming with copious kinds of contrasts. And that sentence is brimming with seas. And to brim is, I think, rebosar, estar lleno de. And if you think about it, the brim is el borde. So the brim of the glass. We also use this word when we're talking about a hat, la ala o la visera. But as a verb, if something is brimming with something, it is full. And copious, I think you understand from Spanish. A lot of contrasts. Then I said you'll be flabbergasted. Now, this is one of my favorite words in English. Flabbergasted. I also like discombobulated. Discombobulated means descolocado. Well, flabbergasted is atonito. Estupefacto. And if there's one thing Tokyo will do is it will leave you flabbergasted. From the moment you land, aterrizar, remember to land is aterrizar. And then I use the adjective illustrious, which I think you understood, ilustre. This illustrious land. Do you see what I did there? I used land como aterrizar and land como tierra. And then I said, until you reluctantly leave. And if you are reluctant, is reacio, I think, in Spanish. You don't really want to go. You're doing it against your will, contra tu voluntad. And then I said, in my pilot's voice, touchdown in 10 seconds. And touchdown is just another way to say to land. The opposite, to take off, despegar. I said touchdown in 10 seconds. And then we heard the screeching of rubber hitting the runway. And then I said, let's take a tour of tantalizing Tokyo. And I guess that's one thing we should point out right there. The spelling is different. Tokyo, we spell with a Y. And the word tantalizing is seductor, tentador. It attracts you. And today we're going to focus primarily on Tokyo. I thought about this long and hard. I said, should I do Japan or should I just do Tokyo? So I started working on Tokyo and I realized there's so much content just in Tokyo that we could focus this episode on Tokyo, which is the capital of Japan, but it wasn't always the capital of Japan. The capital at one point was the place that you guys know, I'm sure you've all heard of it, because of the climate conference, the climate summit, and that's Kyoto, which is an absolutely stunning, beautiful city. The air is so fresh, and you walk around the bamboo forests. But see, there I go. I'm going off track again. Let's focus on Tokyo. So it wasn't always the capital. In fact, it wasn't always called Tokyo either. It was called Edo until 1868. But the site that Tokyo is on has been inhabited since ancient times. And I want you to say that word with me ancient. We don't say ancient, we say ancient times. It was a small fishing village, as I said, it was called Edo, 
and it existed there for centuries. And the development of the city didn't occur until what was called the Tokugawa period. Now, just to give you an idea, this was from 1603 to 1867. And at that point, it started to gain importance. But the imperial family was still in Kyoto, the ancient imperial capital. Well, not until 1868, when the Meiji Restoration, the Meiji, I believe I pronounced it right, Meiji Restoration, which ended the shogunate, and we're going to look at a lot of these words that we use in English, that uh, some of them I didn't even know. The word honcho is jefe. The head honcho. Well, I didn't know, but that comes from Japanese. But we'll look at that in the bonus part. So in 1868, the city was renamed Tokyo, which means Eastern capital. And it has been the largest city in terms of population, in terms of economy, since its inception. Just to give you an idea, as of January 2020, Tokyo has a population of 13 million. Let's just round it up. 14 million. That's right. 14 million. Now, this is Tokyo Center or Tokyo proper, as we say. The metro area. Take a guess. Take a guess. How many people do you think live in the metro area or the greater metro area of Tokyo. If I said the city center is around 14 million, what do you think? Well, 37 and a half million people. And one thing that blew my mind when I was there was that no matter how many people there are, people don't bump into each other. They pay attention to their surroundings. They're respectful. They're polite. So you would think, you know, oh my God, the main station, you know, hundreds of thousands of people passing through there every day. But for some reason, people don't seem to bump into each other. People seem to respect each other's space. It really blew my mind. And I'll talk about some other things that blew my mind in the bonus episode. Let's take a look at the climate in Tokyo as well. Since the city is built on low alluvial plains, and alluvial, I don't know how you say that in Spanish, but I'm going to look it up. Alluvial. Abanico alluvial. Ah, oh, see? Sometimes it's exactly the same. And adjacent hills. And the word adjacent, vamos a ver, I don't, maybe this one's the same too. Adjacent is adyacente. See guys, <laughs> English and Spanish are not as different as we think. Well, the climate, y quiero que os fijéis en esa palabra, no es climate, sino climate. The climate is mild in the winter and hot and humid in the summer. Another way to say humid is muggy. And when we talk about uh, the climate being mild, that's templado, I think, in Spanish. So mild in winter, hot and humid in the summer. And in early summer and early autumn or fall, those are the rainy seasons. So they can expect typhoons, which usually happen during September 
and October. So uh, pretty interesting, a wide range of different climates depending on the season, La Estación, which is really cool because that makes their parks absolutely beautiful. And Tokyo, uh, London, as you guys remember, was quite surprising, the amount of green areas in London. But Tokyo, for being such a big city, it doesn't have huge parks, but it has a lot of them and they're spread out all over the city. So I can recommend a few, some of the ones that I really enjoyed. And let me explain something, guys. It's not like Retiro or Central Park. There are temples. There are people playing instruments I've never heard before. So it's not your typical park. You know that you're in another country, on another planet, as I said. But these are beautiful. And the landscaping, the gardens, we know how seriously Japanese people take their gardening. They really believe in having an aesthetically beautiful yard. And that's evident in their parks. You can go to Bueno Park. We went there and we were making fun of the name because it's Bueno, Bueno, Bueno. Donde vamos? <laughs> okay, really bad joke. Bueno Park. That's cool because you've got the Tokyo National Museum right there. You've also got the Science Museum, the Zoological Gardens, and so much more. And of course, you can just take a stroll around the park and have uh, some sake. <laughs> oh, that stuff. I can't drink sake. That stuff goes right to my head. But that's one of the most popular parks, Bueno. And I think it's easy to remember for my Spanish-speaking students. Then you've got Yoyogi, Shinjuku, Gyoen. These are just a few of the parks. But remember, as I tell you with every city, get lost. Pierdete. And you have so many options. If we take a look at the transport options in Tokyo, you can get anywhere in the world from Tokyo. Anywhere on this planet from Tokyo. They have two airports. They have Narita and Haneda Airport. I think we flew into Narita, if I'm not mistaken. We had a stopover in Dubai, I believe. I'm mixing up my trips. No, no, we stopped in Frankfurt on the way over to Tokyo. But wow, it's a long flight. Even with a quick stop to stretch your legs, it can be pretty endless. But it's really well connected. Both airports are really well connected to their public transport. And their public transport is second to none. Esto es otra forma de decir increíble. As I said, the subway stations are crowded. You're thinking, oh my God, but there's order in that chaos. You know, I imagine all those people in Plaza Mayor and it would be bedlam. It would be mayhem. Estos son formas de decir caos. And obviously Tokyo is the chief transportation hub for Japan. And a hub is un conector, an airport, or I think of in Madrid, some of the hubs are Atocha, that's a southern hub. You have a northern hub, which is Chamartin. Moncloa is another hub. These are places where a lot of different transportation systems connect. And it is busy. This place is bustling. And there are shops, there are restaurants. I mean, these are some 
big stations. Just think, if they have to fit all those people, they see, here's Shinjuku Station. Let me give you an idea. It has 36 platforms, and it serves around 1.2 billion passengers annually. You can say annually or yearly. Now, remember, billion is mil millones. That is pretty nuts. And to give you an idea on the global scale, 51 of the busiest train stations in the world. There's a list. 51? Well, 45 of them are located in Japan. But don't let that deter you. Don't let that throw you off. Desconcertarte. I'm telling you, I swear, it's organized. Despite the chaos of all these people running around, it is extremely organized. Maybe it's just the respect thing. People wouldn't dream of bumping into somebody because they're not paying attention. Another thing is you rub shoulders or elbows with somebody on the subway. But I don't even think that happened either. And people are very trusting. La gente se fía ahí. I remember seeing people on the subway with their backpacks wide open. They didn't zip them up. No cerraban la cremallera. And you would never dream of doing that in New York. One time when we were at Shibuya, we were at a happy hour at Shibuya. That's that famous crosswalk. And I remember we were having some drinks. The bar was packed. Again, organized, but packed. And one girl, you could tell she had a few too many. Estaba un poco tocadilla. And what did she do? She put, she left her camera, well, her phone, I should say, her camera phone on the table. She left her backpack or her purse, I don't remember, wide open. And she went to the bathroom. Now, you would never dream of doing that in Times Square, which I think would be the New York equivalent. But let me explain something. If you think Times Square is crazy, Shibuya is Times Square on crack. And we talked about the subways, the metros, but they're all connected to the bullet trains, the Shinkansen bullet trains. Let's put it this way. Their slowest train flies and they're always on time. I mean, precisely on time and they're clean. I'll tell you, a time I had to go to the bathroom, I was really worried. We were catching a train because we got a rail pass. And I'm going to give you those tips in the bonus part. What to do, what not to do. Because you can save yourself a lot of money with this rail pass. But there are a few things you should know. But I remember one time, well, as the expression is in English, when you gotta go, you gotta go. Cuando toca ir, te toca ir. And I had to go to the bathroom. And I got nervous and I said, oh, guys, okay, well, this, you know, the train's not coming for another seven to 10 minutes. I don't remember what it was. I said, I'm going to go look for a bathroom. And I'm thinking I have to go down to the main train station because I'm on the platform. And then I saw, wait a second, there's a bathroom on the platform. I don't have to go down to some main restroom. And so I go into the bathroom thinking, oh, man. This isn't just a bathroom in a train station. This is a bathroom on a train platform. Oh, I was a little bit nervous about what I would find. And I found one of the cleanest bathrooms I've ever had the pleasure of using in my life. And I don't know about you guys, but that's something I appreciate. I appreciate cleanliness, especially when it comes to food or bathrooms, you know, hygiene. And the Japanese, again, in this area, they are second to none. 
And now I'm going to give you guys some musts. Things that you have to do. Imprescindible. First things first, just go to any arcade. Cualquier recreativos. It's going to blow your mind. It looks nothing like arcades in the West. The games, the sounds, the signs. It's incredible. We went to an arcade. Well, we went to many arcades. But I remember the first arcade I saw in Japan was in a shopping mall in Kyoto. And I'm thinking, ah, this is whatever. And I went in there, my wife. I mean, we, our jaws were dragging on the floor because of the sounds. Everything was like very interactive. Remember, they love their technology over there as well. And all that adds to a very cool feel. The city has a good feel. No, un feeling, una vibración. I loved also the, the vending machines. The vending machines are awesome because you don't know what you're getting. That's right. I remember every time we would be thirsty, we would stop by a vending machine and say, which one do you want to try today? And I know they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but we couldn't read Japanese, so we would just try different things. And sometimes we were spot on. We were like, wow, that's a really tasty drink. And other times we took a sip and we threw it out. Lo tiramos a la basura. But I think that's part of the adventure, trying new things. And those vending machines, they don't just sell soft drinks. They sell all kinds of things in the vending machine. So you can't go to Tokyo and not get some stuff out of vending machines. And I'll tell you, there's one every meter. Well, at least it feels that way. Then, of course, you have to stop by the Imperial Palace. It's absolutely beautiful because it's this palace that is encircled by stone-walled moats. And a moat is like this water that's around a castle. It's absolutely beautiful. It's the home of the Emperor of Japan, and it's in the heart of the city. I would say it's some of the best real estate in Japan. And then east of the Imperial Palace, just a hop, skip, and a jump away, al ladito, is the very colorful Marunouchi District. And this is also a financial hub, some really swanky restaurants. We went there, uh, we just had a drink. We decided to go back to our neighborhood to have dinner. And remember that. Tokyo's huge, it's well-connected, you don't have to stay in the center. Just make sure you're staying close to a subway stop. Now, everything I've told you so far is either free or cheap as chips. You know, getting something out of a vending machine, I don't remember how many yen it was, but it's just like here, you know, you're thirsty, you get something to drink. And there, whoo-hoo, you are in for a treat. Te espera una sorpresa. Sometimes a positive one and sometimes a negative one. But one of the greatest treats and a free treat is the view from the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Building. Or as the locals call it, Tocho, Tocho. This is a free view. You can go up to the top of this government building and get one of the most beautiful views of Tokyo. It's absolutely beautiful and it's free. 
Now, everybody knows the Tokyo Tower. It was inspired by the Eiffel Tower. And by the way, there's an episode on the Eiffel Tower if you haven't listened to it. But uh, that's going to cost you a pretty penny, especially if you go to the top observation deck. The bottom one is a little bit cheaper. There are two observation decks in the Tokyo Tower. And why is it red and white? Why didn't, I mean, if they were going to make it like the Eiffel Tower, why did they make it red and white and not stick with the original color? Well, that was because of Japanese regulations. They said it had to be seen because obviously there's a lot of air traffic. So they mandated that that tower had to be red and white. Shibuya, I already talked about. Shibuya is a shopping area, restaurants. It's like the Times Square area. And that crossing, a little tip, if you go up to the Starbucks over there, you can get a really nice shot. Now, just remember, I'm not the only one who had that idea. So you're going to have to wait a while if you want to get up to the window. But I shared on Patreon, I shared a video of my wife and I at the Shibuya Crossing. And it is said that around 1,000 people are crossing it at any given moment. Well, not at any given moment. Hopefully when it turns green. And we're going to wrap up the first part of today's episode just talking about how Tokyo was bombed. What? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Hiroshima, Nagasaki. That's where the atomic bomb was dropped. But a little-known story, at least I didn't know it, and it's not a little story. It's a major event. 300 B-29 bombers dropped around 500,000 cylinders of petroleum jelly and napalm on the city. This resulted in a 40 square kilometer firestorm. This was during the Second World War. The bombing killed more people than the combined numbers of the Nagasaki and the Hiroshima bombing. I had no idea of this historic fact because the first thing you think about when you think about loss of life and war and Japan and its history, you think of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I'm going to tell you about Hiroshima in the bonus part. It was a very, very emotional experience. But there's one thing we can learn from all of these cities, Tokyo, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, You've got to rise from the ashes like the phoenix. Hay que levantarse de las cenizas como el fénix. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the first part of today's FYI. Bye.